Welcome to Corruption of Child Protective Services. I am your host, David Shore. Well, this show is about corruption of child protective services. I got the idea because my family was affected by CPS, or what we call in Indiana, DCS, Department of Child Services. The lawsuit claims that, and this is nine special needs children who are currently in the system. And we're going to go directly from the website, Indiana Department of Child Services, Child Welfare Manual, Chapter 4 Assessment, the effective date on this Section 6, which is Exigent Circumstances, is July 1st, 2008. This is a second version, so probably things really haven't changed all that much since the first. The policy states, when exigent circumstances are determined to exist for an alleged victim of child abuse and or neglect, CA-N interview. The Indiana Department of Child Services, DCS, is not required to obtain consent from the child's parent, guardian, or custodian prior to interviewing the child. So in other words, they can interview the child that they suspect that the child's being abused. DCS defines exigent circumstances, now listen to this very carefully, as situations that would cause a reasonable person to believe that a timely interview with the child is necessary due to concerns for the child's well-being and safety. And that seeking parental, guardian, or custodian consent first may cause harm to the child or place the child at greater risk. If you understand that, you're better than I am. What it sounds like to me is that they suspect the child's being abused they'll go interview the child and not tell the parents. That means if they got a bug up their ass and they don't like you or someone doesn't like you, well, it's perfectly all right then to interview the child. Now, DCS will assume exigent circumstances exist when, one, the parent, guardian, or custodian is the alleged perpetrator or is allegedly aware of the maltreatment of the child victim and has allegedly not assured his or her safety. Two, the safety of the alleged child victim might be jeopardized by delaying the interview and or notifying the parent, guardian, or custodian. Three, there is reason reason to believe that essential evidence would not be available if there were delay or notice. In other words, we can't wait for evidence. I believe the child's being abused. That's called hearsay, ladies and gentlemen. Look it up. Now, number four is new. It says the homeless, unaccompanied minor is voluntarily receiving shelter from an emergency shelter or shelter care facility without the presence or consent of a parent, guardian, or custodian. So in other words, they're poor and they're homeless. Oh, they got to be abused then. Or five, when exigent circumstances do not exist, DCS will seek consent from the child's parent, guardian, or custodian prior to conducting an interview with a child. The policy is 4.5 consent to interview child, which I will get into later. So in other words, that last one, 
they believe that something's going on, but they can't prove it. So they're going to ask you, the parent, to, hey, why don't you sign this form so we can fuck you over? So we can take your children and make that $2,000, $10,000 per month bonus every month. And then when we get around to terminating your parental rights, we get another $250,000. Hey, Miss Stigden, I'm reading from your policy. And people that have been in it, especially my listeners in South Bend and Indianapolis, they know the truth. That's why you still have that lawsuit million. Supervisory approval is not required to validate the decision made by the family case manager, FCM, regarding whether exigent circumstances are present. How do you have a family case manager if you're being investigated? Somebody want to explain that? Hey, Ms. Stigden, why don't you explain that? If you're being investigated, how do you have a family case manager? I thought you had investigators. Procedure. Now, the code references after that one is Indiana Code IC 31-36-3-3, Homeless Children. So, in other words, we got the Poor Law Act all over again, ladies and gentlemen, yet they're calling it something else. Read the Poor Law Act, and then read this Indiana Code, and notice that it is almost word for word what was said in 1601. Now, the procedure is the family case manager will, one, determine if exigent circumstances exist based on his or her best judgment and assessment of all information available at the time. Okay, if you just got a um, accusation and that's all you have, then how... I'm going to go on. It's getting me upset. Two, if the family case manager has determined exigent circumstances exist, proceed with interviewing the child without consent from the parent, guardian, or custodian. Notify the parent, guardian, or custodian as soon as possible after the interview, but no later than the same day in which the interview occurred. And let's go on with this. If the family case manager has determined that exigent circumstances do not exist. Follow all procedures in separate policy. 4.5 consent to interview the child. Now the new note states for homeless unaccompanied minors voluntarily receiving shelter without the presence or consent of a parent, guardian, custodian an assessment must be conducted within 48 hours of receiving the report, but no later than 72 hours of the child entering the shelter. If CA-N is believed to have occurred, the location of the shelter may not be disclosed to the parent by DCS. So in other words, your kids can be taken. They don't have to tell you. According to Indiana Department of Child Services, their procedure. I'm reading exactly from their manual. Now, practice guidelines not applicable. Forms and tools, preliminary report of alleged child abuse or neglect, standard form SF-114. Related information, here we go, folks. Determining if exigent circumstances exist. 
every preliminary report of alleged child abuse or neglect, SF-114, should be evaluated on its own merit and the family case manager or FCM should always make decisions that support the safety, well-being, and due process for the child. Such an evaluation requires the application of critical thinking skills to carefully assess the current safety factors and the potential risk of future harm to the child. It should also be so you can secure your bonuses. In the following examples, seeking parent, guardian, or custodian permission prior to interviewing the child would further endanger the child. In other words, it's going to endanger your bonuses, so do not contact the parents. 1. The child self-reports CA slash N allegations to DCS or a professional, e.g. teacher, doctor, and the child requests an interview with DCS without parent, guardian, or custodian consent. Excuse me, a child's going to say, yeah, I want, I want to report my parents. Oh, I don't want them to know that I'm doing this. Excuse me, they're so full of shit their eyes are brown. What child's going to do that that wants to leave their loving and caring family? Oh, maybe I'll get a rich white family. They'll be able to give me everything. Two, the parent is the alleged perpetrator and there are immediate concerns for the child's safety. In this example, it would be the best interest of the child to interview him or her immediately at a location other than the child's home. And three, the child's uncle is the alleged perpetrator of sexual abuse. There was a previous report of alleged sexual abuse of the child by this uncle. The alleged assessment report documents that the parent did not believe the allegations. In this situation, the federal the family case manager has reason to believe that the parent will not provide for the safety of the child. When we come back, we're going to go over uh, like the decision support. In other words, how DCS, CPS, whatever, will side with the case manager instead of listening to the parent. Because it's much easier, isn't it, folks, to listen to a complete and total stranger, someone that doesn't know anything about your family, rather than listen to, I don't know, how about the family? How about friends of the family? But then again, Miss Stigden and Governor Holcomb, you really don't care. All you really care about is getting that bonus, like the $4.7 million award. Woohoo! How many children? 2,489. I hope you both rot in hell. Unless, of course, you're going to take my advice and start actually digging into this and actually change the policy. But, hey, I'm reading straight from the manual, folks. We'll be back. And we are back. Well, I'm going to just get right into this. Because I had a little issue trying to upload this. Now, the decision support is as follows. DCS Central Office will stand behind the decision made by the FCM Family Case Manager. Provided the FCM one made the decision based on the best interest of the safety and well-being of the child. Remember that. That started in 1601. Two, 
sought supervisory validation if the FCM was unclear about whether or not the safety and well-being of the child may have been compromised by seeking consent prior to interviewing. Guess what? They're going to say, oh, it's perfectly all right. Right, Miss Stigden? And three clearly documented his or her rationale in the assessment records. He should that person should put in, oh, uh, I wanted to guarantee my bonus, so that's why I did this. I wanted to take the child because of my bonus. has nothing to do with the best interest of the child or the child screaming for mommy and daddy. Now, I got something else. In Chapter 4 Assessment, Section 8, Entry into Home or Facility. This was effective July 1st, 2008. It's also Version 2. Now, the statements of purpose. The Indiana Department of Child Services, DCS, may make in-person contact with a child in his or her home or any other place where the child may be. DCS is required to seek permission to enter a home for the purpose of conducting interviews and or assessing the home's condition. Permission to enter must be given by an adult living in the home. Children under the age of 18 years cannot give permission to enter the home. That's where you tell them no. Have a lawyer contacted immediately. And unless the lawyer is going to be present, DCS should not be talking to the child and separately from the parents. Because, hey, if they're interviewing a child, they could lead that child into any answers. The exception is DCS may only enter without permission when accompanied by a law enforcement agency, LEA. Even with that, you've seen online, they can't enter. The police know it. Further, if one adult who lives in a home gives permission to enter and a second adult who lives in the home verbally objects, DCS will not enter the home and will instead seek a court order. Even though there have been reports, DCS, NCPS, whatever initials, they've forced their way in. DCS reserves the right to revoke a foster home's license if denied access to a foster home. Well, if that's their rule and they are working with the state, if they signed a statement that says they can interview the children, then that's that. DCS is required to check in, present DCS-issued identification, request permission from an administrator, e.g. director and or program coordinator, principal, etc., and or follow all written protocols when entering schools, child care centers, residential facilities, emergency shelters, or shelter care facilities, medical facilities, or correctional facilities for the purpose of conducting interviews. Now, as far as schools... And child care centers, residential facilities, you use the hatch letter. Now, they're going to argue that it's not good. Well, Kevin Patrick Seaver has been dealing with CPS. He has over a thousand successful cases. And Mr. Seaver, if you are listening, thank you very much and continue to your great work. Now... DCS may request an order from the juvenile court if admission to a home or facility is denied. If 
an order from the court is granted, DCS will gain entry by accompanying law enforcement agency when law enforcement agency executes the order. DCS will not enter a home if there is suspicion that it contains a contaminating controlled substance. Now it says, see the Indiana Drug Endangered Children DEC response protocol for the guidance. Permission to enter a home or facility would not constitute consent to interview a child. DCS will seek permission to interview a child in accordance with the policies 4.5 consent to interview child and 4.6 exigent circumstances. The hash letter will cover you. I will get more cases whereby the hash letter has worked. DCS will immediately contact law enforcement agency and request emergency assistance if a child is believed to be home alone and it is believed the child's safety and well-being is in danger. So in other words, mom could be in the bathroom or dad could be out in the backyard. They only see the child by him or herself and all of a sudden the police are called. How many times has that happened, folks? The code reference is Indiana Code 31-33-8-7, Scope Investigation, Order for Access to Home, School, or Other Place. So they're going to try to say that they're within their rights. Miss Nickton, you're so full of it, your eyes are brown. And so are you, Governor Holcomb. Now, there's a note for procedure. Prior to entering a home or facility for the purposes of conducting an interview with a child, the family case manager, FCM, will file procedures contained in policies 4.5, consent to interview a child, and 4.6, exigent circumstances. Remember, I just went over exigent circumstances. In other words, as long as they suspect a child's being abused, that's good enough. Let's not go with the evidence. Takes too long. Lazy-ass pricks. Prior to entering a home or facility, the FCM will, one, ask to speak to an adult in the house or facility personnel, faculty personnel. Two, introduce himself or herself and show official DCS identification. Three, explain the purpose of the visit without revealing any confidential information about the child abuse and or neglect CA slash N assessment. In other words, don't tell them that, oh, we're investigating an abuse allegation. Thought the Gestapo left uh, with uh, the Nazis. They just changed. Four, seek permission to enter if a home, follow, follow visitor check-in procedures if a facility, and five, document permission given to enter home or facility and by whom. But of course, you won't find that out if it's a facility who gave permission. Because, oh, they're, they can't reveal that. Upon, upon entering the home, the FCM will exit the home immediately and without alarming the persons inside if at any time he or she suspects the home may contain a contaminated controlled substance, in other words, drugs, and or to discontinue the assessment if at any point the FCM becomes concerned for his or her safety, e.g. persons in the home become hostile or threatening or there are other dangerous conditions in the home. Seek supervisory input to make alternate arrangements to complete the necessary interviews and or home conditions assessment. In other words, if you're filming them, they feel threatened and so they got to leave. Or they got to call their supervisor. Or they got to call law enforcement. 
because you're videotaping. Videotape anyhow. If access to a home or facility is denied, the FCM will, one, request an order from the juvenile court to gain admission to the home or facility. Mommy, Daddy, they won't let me do this. Two, if court order is granted, return to the home or facility with law enforcement agency who will execute the court order and gain admission. Notify the entity responsible for licensing the home, DCS local office or licensed child placement agency, LCPA, if denied entry to a licensed foster home and for document that the request was denied and who denied the request. In other words, if they get pissed off at you because you won't let them in, you have to report it. Now, the practice guidelines, not applicable, forms and tools, Indiana Drug Endangered Children, DEC response protocol, and related information, home for the purpose of this policy, home means home, foster home, relative home, or licensed child care home. Now, let's go on to the next one, which is about facility. Now, I have to explain that, I yes, I am outside Due to circumstances, I had to change the location of where I'm recording. It is also fall, so sometimes the wind does kick up. We're gonna. Uh, so the facility, for the purpose of this policy, facility means a facility or institution, including but not limited to a school, child care center, registered child care ministry, group home inpatient residential treatment center, hospital, emergency shelters, shelter care facilities, juvenile detention center, and Indiana Department of Corrections, DOC facility. So, in other words, anywhere they want to uh, interview. Well, why are they interviewing children in a DOC facility? Well, of course, they're interviewing one of the parents. When we come back, I am going to go into more but specifically on the medical records so you know what you're getting yourself into this day is very interesting isn't it folks we'll be back and welcome back now as promised now this is though chapter 4 assessment this is section 17, accessing child's medical, psychological, and substance abuse records. This is the version two, and its effective date was July 1st, 2010. I will state if there's any new additions. The statement of purpose, the Indiana Department of Child Services, DCS, is not required to get consent from the parent, guardian, custodian, or the child prior to accessing an alleged child victim's medical, physical health records if the records pertain to an examination or treatment that, one, occurred as part of a child abuse and or neglect CA-N assessment, or two, resulted in a CA-N report by a medical professional. Note, this policy complies with the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, or HIPAA, H-I-P-P-A-A, H-I-P-A-A, regulations. DCS is required to obtain written consent from the alleged victim's parent, guardian, or custodian prior to obtaining, one, any mental health assessment or treatment records, two, any medical records for 
the alleged child victim that were not part of the CA-slash-N assessment, and three, any alcohol use and or substance abuse assessment or treatment records. The exception is if the alcohol use substance abuse records pertain to treatment that the child received through his or her own voluntary consent, that child may consent to the release of the records without parent, guardian, or custodian consent. In other words, mom and dad, if they were getting help with substance abuse, that's perfectly all right. Now, the DCS will seek a court order if, one, an alleged child victim's parent, guardian, or custodian does not give consent, two, an alleged child victim does not consent to the release of alcohol use, substance abuse, records pertaining to treatment that the child received through his or her own voluntary consent. Now, if the child doesn't give consent, they have to go get a court order. And three, an alleged child victim's counselor asserts the quote-unquote victim counselor privilege and denies DCS access to the child's mental health records. In other words, the counselor if decides this would be more damaging to the child, they won't give them. But it has to be by the doctor. And the code references are IC 16. 39-2, Chapter 2, Release of Mental Health Records to Patient and Authorized Persons. 2, IC 35-37-6, Privilege Communications and Victim Counseling. 3, IC 31-32-11-1, Admissibility of Privileged Communication. Ah, so, Ms. Stigden, I hope you're listening to this part. Uh... And I think you know the reason why. Okay, the procedure. The procedure is as follows. A family case manager, FCM, will, one, as necessary, seek required signatures on the form, consent to background investigation, and release the facility to release of medical, physical health records of an alleged child victim. Two, seek required signatures on the form, consent to release of mental health and addiction records, SF51128, to facilitate the release of mental health, alcohol use, and or substance use records of an alleged child victim, or three, seek a court order as needed if a required consent is denied. So, if you have a child that's mentally handicapped, they had to seek required signatures on the form, consent to release of mental health and addiction records, records and if they didn't get that they had to get a court order for it wow are we learning something everyone the practice guidance not applicable wow what a surprise forms and tools one consent to release of mental health and addiction records sf51128 consent to background investigation and release available in the juvenile justice bench Book, child in need of services. Wow, I didn't think that was juvenile justice. Did you? Related information, Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, HIPPA, 45 CFR 164.512, so, subparagraph B, sub. Paragraph 1, subparagraph double I, makes exceptions to HIPAA 
<coughs> sorry, for Child Protective Services CPS investigations. Quote, a covered entity may disclose protected health information for the public health activities and purposes described in this paragraph to a public health authority or other appropriate government authority authorized by law to re receive reports of child abuse or neglect. The victim counselor privilege. Criminal procedure in IC 3537-6. Privilege communications and victim counseling. Established victim counselor privilege related to confidential communications between a victim and a victim counselor. All victim counselors remain bound by the mandated report statutes pertaining to CA-N. Thus, victim counselor privilege cannot be applied to the reporting of suspected CA-N. Anytime a victim counselor has reason to believe a child is a victim of CA-N, the counselor must make a report to DCS. However, after a report has been made, the victim counselor may assert the victim counselor privilege to prevent the disclosure of information and records during the course of the investigation. So they can make a report, they just cannot release that information. <coughs> so it sounds like you literally have to get a court order. Voluntary consent to treatment and release of related records by a minor. Indiana Code 12-23-12-1. Notification or consent of parents or guardians. Treatment in absence of notification. States that a minor who voluntarily seeks treatment for alcoholism, alcohol abuse, or drug abuse from the Family and Social Services Administration, FSSA slash Division of Mental Health and Addiction, DMHA, or a facility approved by FSSA slash DMHA may receive treatment without notification or consent from of the parents, guardian, or person having control or custody of the minor. DCS interprets this code along with 42 United States Code Section 290 D-2 to mean that a minor can consent to the release of records that pertain to treatment for which he or she voluntarily consented. So in other words, if they went voluntarily to that, then they can sign a statement, even if they're underage. So I'm sorry, parents, but in Indiana, they're allowed to do that. Unless there's a law, of federal law on the books that contradicts that. But this is state, not federal. Now, assessment. This is effective day July 1st. 2011, it's third version, consent to interview child. You know, I've got a lot more information, and I'll tell you, what I've given you so far, I know you're probably dropping your jaw like, why didn't anyone know this? Because no one bothered to look. No one, they just took it by CPS's word, they were in the right. And it's not your fault. CPS, DCS, whatever initials they want to give themselves. They want to make sure you don't know this stuff. They don't want you to look at the manuals. They don't want you to look at the fact of the things they are supposed to do. That they can just make shit up as they go along. They can accuse you of molesting your child, of abusing your child, beating your child half to death, starving your child. 
Not giving your child the things that they should have. And then when CPS shows up, all of a sudden all the toys and everything show up. That they look like a loving and caring family. Well, I say this to all the CPS investigators who break families up. Why don't you do this for the females? And I know I'll probably get a lot of flack for this. But why don't you lay down, spread your legs, get pregnant, have a few children, and see how you feel when all of a sudden someone decides in the hospital or at your home or at your child's home that they're going to take it because you're abusive or you're neglectful. Because you're not spending the time they say. And if you think I'm making this shit up, I'm not. When we come back, we are going to come back to the consent to interview child. But I'll tell you right now, if you think I'm really, I'm pissed off now, I've got more information. And in my next few episodes, you're going to hear even more. And when you hear everything that DCS has to do, that CPS is required to do, you're going to wonder how they're still in business. We'll be back. We're back. We're going over the Indiana Department of Child Services Child Welfare Policy Consent to Interview Child. This is Chapter 4 Assessment, effective date July 1st, 2011, third version. As usual, if it says new, I will tell you. Statements of purpose. The Indiana Department of Child Services, DCS, will secure the consent, permission of the child's parent, guardian, or custodian prior to interviewing a child who is the following. An alleged victim of child abuse and or neglect, CA slash N, to an alleged child perpetrator or three, a potential witness or collateral contact. In other words, they can accuse anyone of anything at any time. But then again, you knew this. The exceptions to the rule requiring consent of the child's parent, guardian, or custodian prior to interviewing the child include one, exigent circumstances override the necessity of consent due to concerns for the alleged child victim's safety and well-being. Well, you know that their hatch letter will cover that. That way they can't interview without a lawyer present because they'll probably have a representative that's for you, even though you would want to be there. They'll say, oh, no, you don't have to be here. Someone at the school, which the school works with the state. Two, a reasonable number of attempts made to locate and contact a parent, guardian, or custodian results in no contact being made, which is bullshit because they'll say they did it even though if you ask for phone records we don't have those right now your honor we have to dig those up in other words we have to make them up as we go along three the child is under the care and custody of dcs and parental rights have been terminated yeah they make sure that those rights are terminated quick and fast or for the child is committed to a department of correction doc facility in other words a juvenile justice center if the custodian, custodial parent, guardian, custodian of a child refuses you allow DCS to interview the child after the case manager has attempted to obtain consent from the custodial parent, guardian, or custodian, DCS may petition a court to order the custodial parent, guardian, or custodian to make the child available to be interviewed. Guess what? <laughs> 
mistake then I think you've been told this one more one too many times and probably your investigators go fuck yourself go get a court order an assessment involving domestic violence does not warrant an automatic removal to ensure the safety of the child. Domestic violence does not always constitute exigent circumstances to interview the child without first seeking parental consent. So in other words, the kids that are being abused and the women that are being abused by the men, they're not going to take those kids. But that's perfectly all right, because according to them, if an assessment involving domestic violence does not... It does not warrant an automatic removal to ensure the safety of the child. So in other words, the child can die in those circumstances, but it's okay. But parents are loving and caring. Oh, we got to take them out of there. Miss Digden, will you not love this child? Were your CPS social workers not loved as a child or were they abused? And so they decide, hey, now we're going to abuse kids the same way we were abused. If the parent, guardian, or custodian refuses to give consent and or places conditions upon the interview process that the FCM finds unacceptable, hatch letter, and no exigent circumstances exist, a court order will be pursued. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to give it. A lot of judges are actually now denying it across the country because they say it's a witch hunt and they're not going to be part of collecting bonuses. In certain circumstances, DCS will seek consent from individuals other than the child's parent, guardian, or custodian prior to the interview. Now, the code references on this is IC 5-26.5-1-3, domestic violence. The second one is IC 31-33-8-7, subparagraph D. Scope of assessment by Department of Child Services, order for access to home, school, or other place, or for mental or physical examinations, petition to interview child order requirements. Hey, Miss Stickton, I'm going to say this one. This is my, for, I think you know the reason why. Indiana Code 313387D, Scope of Assessment by Department of Child Services, Order for Access to Home, School, or Other Place, or for Mental or Physical Examinations, Petition to Interview Child Order Requirements. So, do you get that, Ms. Stigden? Are you getting the point, Ms. Stigden? My family was involved with CPS. Let's just say they violated every one of their rules in this just to take my kids and both of them mentally handicapped the procedure the FCM will one consider whether exigent circumstances exist two if exigent circumstances do not exist determine who must give consent three make a reasonable number of attempts to contact the person who must give consent Four, if unable to make contact with the required parties after a reasonable number of attempts, document attempts in the case management system and proceed with child interview without consent and complete step nine below. So in other words, hey, let's not get a court order or anything. Let's just interview the child anyhow, even though the parents, legal guardian, or legal counsel is not present at the time. So you can coerce a child to say something that is actually false. 
If contact is made with the required parties, ask for consent after explaining the following. A. The interview is part of a DCS-CA-N assessment. B. The interview must take place to assure the child's safety. C. The CAN allegations are whatever they are, per the CA-N intake. In other words, they can make shit up so they can interview. D. The information gained during the interview is confidential. It will not be released to outside parties <coughs> unless it is required during a court proceeding, which is full of shit. The parent, guardian, or custodian has a right to know the information gained during the interview. They will not give you that information unless you get a court order. And even then, they will probably not give it to you unless it is forced upon them in a court of law. Six, if consent is given, have the required party sign the form consent of parent, guardian, or custodian to interview children Standard Form 52013 and proceed with child interview. Ms. Tigden, my kid children were interviewed without me or my wife or legal, gar- legal counsel present. How can that be legal? According to your rule, Procedure 6, if consent given, have the required party sign form. We didn't sign anything. Isn't that right, nice? 7. Follow all procedures and policy. 4.8. Entry into home or facility. 8. If consent not given, coordinate with the DCS staff attorney to petition a court court for the child to be interviewed, either with or without the custodial parent, guardian, or custodian being present. 9. In any cases where consent was not requested and the child interview proceeded due to exigent circumstances, give notice of interview to parent, guardian, or custodian or faculty facility administrator as soon as possible but no later than the same day of the interview. So in other words you just got yourself out of that one. But it still violates the Fourth Amendment of Illegal Search and Seizure. Look it up. And 10. Notify the appropriate licensing child placing placing agency LCPA ongoing services, family case manager and or probation officer of the interview. You know something? This is really getting me upset. And it should get you people in South Bend, Indiana. And Indianapolis upset as well. Engaging families to gain consent. Exhibiting empathy, professionalism, genuineness, and respect is a first step to building a trust-based relationship with families. Establishing a relationship by effectively engaging with children, parents, and essential individuals for the purpose of sustaining the work that is to be accomplished together could increase the chances of gaining consent from parents. Fuck you! All you want is that money. Gaining consent is just no more and no less a way in which to coerce a child or a parent to say something that didn't happen. That is the truth. Who must give consent when exigent circumstances do not exist? Okay, they have a chart here. When I come back, I'm going to go over. This is going to be a little longer episode. But I will go over the chart, child situation, additional details, and consent from. We'll be back. We are back. Now, who must give consent when exigent circumstances do not exist? Well, last time I checked, 
every case of research exigent circumstances were involved, especially in the state of Indiana. So in other words, they must be trained that every case is exigent circumstances because otherwise they can't interview the child. Isn't that right, Miss Stickton? Yeah, I'm going to put you on front street on this one. You haven't done shit. You just sit there, collect that fucking money, that $4.7 million, so you can put, have a do- adoption division of DCS and have a catalog. Yeah, I bet you people didn't know that they have a catalog of children. I bet they even have pictures of children they just took that the families are just looking. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Well, they're not ready yet. We're working. We're in the process of getting them into adoption. Translation, we're trying to terminate the parents' rights. Hey, Ms. Stickton, what happened in 2018? Ten appeals in six months for wrongful termination of parental rights. Guess you forgot about that one, too. And, folks, yes, I will bring that one up, too. I will find that one, and I will get it right here. And I know South Bend DCS is probably listening to this. After all, I left a nice old calling card on their front door. So, the child situation, additional details, and consent form. So, the child's details are, child lives at home with parent, guardian, or custodian. Well, the additional details are none, and the consent is parent, guardian, or custodian. Child lives in foster home. Parent, parental rights have not been terminated. Parental, guardian, or consent... Parent, guardian, or custodian. No consent needed from resource, parent, or LCPA. In other words, they can do whatever they want. Child is on probation. I think that's self-explanatory, but parent, guardian, or custodian must give consent. Child has been committed to DOC facility. No consent needed from parent, guardian, or custodian. Consent is required from DOC facility superintendent. Now, this one, I want you to listen very carefully. Child has been placed in residential facility. There are two. Two additional details. One is alleged perpetrator is an employee or resident of the facility. Ms. Stigden, listen to this very carefully because this also applies to you and and your people doing this. Isn't that what the class action lawsuit is all about? Actions and circumstances are assumed to exist. No consent needed. Wow, so in other words, you can, you don't need, and it's an employee, a resident of the facility. So in other words, you'll believe their word. You won't believe the child's word. But you will if it's outside of uh, state employees. The second one is alleged perpetrator is someone other than an employee or resident of the facility. Assessing family case manager contacts, ongoing services, family case manager assigned to child, ongoing services, family case manager seeks consent from parent, guardian, or custodian. Wow! Hey, Ms. Stickton, my wife and I, at the time, we didn't give consent. So, who gave consent? Because according to your book, it's only parent, guardian, or custodian. Who is a custodian? 
Child is under care and custody of DCS. Parental rights have been terminated, but child has not been emancipated. Assessing FCM seek, seeks permission from ongoing services FCM assigned to child. In other words, the foster parents. Consent from one or both parents. If one, if the child has two parents and both parents have physical custody of the child, e.g. the parents are living together, either parent may give consent. However, once either parent has said no, it is inappropriate to seek permission from the other parent. This is referred to as answer shopping. Two, if the child has two parents but the parents do not live together, consent must be obtained from the custodial parent, i.e. the parent with physical custody, also referred to as the custodial parent. Wow. Reasonable number of attempts. A reasonable number of attempts generally means that the FCM attempted to reach the individual at various times during the day to allow for work and or school schedules. Use multiple methods to contact, etc. What exactly constitutes a reasonable number will vary depending upon the urgency of the assessment. In general, the FCM family case manager should attempt to reach the parent, guardian, or custodian by trying each address or phone number between three and five times for an assessment that must be initiated within 24 hours. For an assessment that must be initiated within five days, the FCM should try each address and phone number between five to ten times. See policy 4.20, good faith efforts for related information. Verbal consent. Ah, let's make sure we listen to them very carefully. Verbal consent should be used as a last resort. For verbal consent, the FCM should put the parent, guardian, or custodian or speaker on speakerphone and have an individual, a DCS employee, law enforcement agency, LEA, or a school, mental health, or medical professional serve as a witness. If verbal consent is used, the FCM must follow up by getting the parent, guardian, or custodian's signature on a consent form as soon as possible and placing the form in the assessment file. Well, folks, I'll tell you right now, me nor my wife at the time were not given this form. But, of course, Miss Stickton is going to lie square through her teeth. Consent to interview versus consent to enter. Consent to interview does not necessarily constitute consent to enter. For instance, father gives an FCM permission to interview a child. Mother is home with the child and gives the FCM permission to enter the home to conduct the interview. See policy 4.8, entry into home or facility. Constraints on interview. It is possible, and this is where the hatch letter comes in, it is possible that the parent, guardian, or custodian will place constraints on the DCS interview with the child. E.g., you may interview the child only in my presence. In these circumstances, the FCM should clearly document the constraints placed on the interview and whether the constraints were accommodated. If the constraints are not accommodated and the parent, guardian, or custodian refuses to allow DCS to interview the child, a court order may be sought. So in other words, use that hatch letter. That way, they're going to have to get that court order. Because if they break that hatch letter and you have a copy there and you take it to court, any evidence they have, 
may very well be thrown out. I will check with Mr. Seaver and see, because it sounds like I've seen cases of his that that hatch letter actually has worked. Now, the forms and tools are as follows. One, consent of parent, guardian, or custodian to interview children, SF-52013. Two, no, notice to parent, guardian, or custodian of interview with child, SF-53130. Related information, contact versus interview. A contact may be any communication or an in-person observation. An interview occurs when a person is individually questioned about the allegations of a CA slash N report not in the presence of family members or witnesses. A contact is not always considered an interview. Actually, Ms. Dickton, if you're speaking to somebody, you are interviewing them. So guess what? A contact is an interview. A contact includes, but not limited to, face-to-face, home, office, or other, to telephone, three, fax, four, email, five, voicemail, or six, correspondence. The face-to-face is an interview. So stop acting like it's not. And if you're over the phone, it's an interview. Consent from a guardian. A child will have only one legal appointed guardian. So in other words, the schools do not count, Ms. Stickton. Exigent circumstances. See practice guide and policy 4.6 exigent circumstances. As again, people can see, I am pissed. And yes, you are finding out more and more about me. But let me just say this. As I end this episode, you can now see the links they will go to. And I haven't even scratched the surface. On the next episode, I'm going to mention every policy and procedure that they are to go through but they're allowing Indiana is allowing their CPS investigators DCS investigators whatever they want to call them to have carte blanche to have free reign to do whatever they want as long as they get those kids that they can see exigent circumstances and you Miss Stigden will just back them without any evidence But as soon as they show video, or they have documentation proven otherwise, you lie through your square fucking teeth. Because you don't want to give up the cash cow, which are the children. Being rewarded for bad behavior. Miss Stickton, there's a special place in hell for you. You haven't done anything. Other than take children for money. That makes you a human trafficker. You just move children from one home to another. And it gets me sick. Before I go, there's a couple people I'd like to uh, just say hi. Um, They don't personally know me, but... uh, I'm just going to say their first names, Nancy and Lisa. Thanks very much for listening. For others who may be listening, uh, Doreen, thank you for listening. And for Mr. Patrick Seaver, Kevin Patrick Seaver, thank you for listening. Connie Regulee, thank you for listening. And if 
I'm just doing a shout out to everyone, especially in Los Angeles, California. I mean, and Chicago, Illinois. Can't forget them. Thank you for listening. And I will be back later. We're going to get more information and I'm going to get it out as soon as possible. Now's the time. This year's the time to do something. Get out and vote. Get things changed. Because I'll tell you right now, we have to remove that exigent circumstances and we have to retrain the CPS investigators. Carlos Morales knows what I'm talking about. And if he's listening, thank you. Let's do our best to clean up CPS. Let's get it to where kids who are being abused, they get the help, but let's not separate them from their families. Let's keep them with their families and get the parents' help. After all, it's our children, not theirs. And the government can go fuck themselves. This is David Shore for Corruption of Child Protective Services.